Welcome to the Dixie Polis podcast. Uh, my name is Lucas. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men de-reconstructing the South. What is a polis anyways? So the polis, or the police, was a Greek concept and had to do with the city-state. Specifically, it had to do with the various roles that men would take on in the city-state the rights and responsibilities that were given to that role and by extension to the man and the best practices on how a man in that role might fully exercise his role. And in this podcast, what we want to do is to take a complete look at life, to really think about what our roles are and how we might best fulfill them as God has given them to us. So, so you want to bring a a more holistic approach to bringing all of old Dixie's good, if you will, to the modern era, uh, applying principles that worked back then that we should still be applying today, but bring it into a modern context to make the southerner more southern. Is, that, is would that be a good that's explanation a, of what we're doing here? That's a good way of putting it. In addition to that, though, it, it I think that it's a good focus on localism, which was the tradition of the Old South uh, before the war, the mindset of the people in the Old South was definitely their local environs, and from there, it was their state. So essentially, you want to bring the Southern man back to his old stomping grounds, if you will, and, and be more focused on the locality of where he's at instead of you know what's happening across the country get him thinking more out of his own back door. Absolutely. Uh, and 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 more involved in his local politics. That's where the that's where the change really needs to be needs to be had. So so you don't want us to focus focus on DC anymore. Yeah, absolutely not. I think DC's a lost cause. All right. So, uh I am a I am a Mississippi boy. I come from South Mississippi, and you know, through my through my life, I've been focused on politics mostly. Uh, it's the kind of angry politics that you usually see during the the general elections and the national elections. But you know, in in recent years, I've really been heeding the the words of our our southern heroes, and seeing that really the fight isn't there, it's on your local environment. You know, the Lord's worked on my heart to pull out a lot of the anger that I've had. I think some of the insights that I've gotten over the years could maybe be helpful to really explore how to best use the wisdom of our day, the real wisdom of our day, to benefit our community. So I think that's a very noble endeavor to try to keep everything local. Too many of, of the people that are homegrown to this area have just up and just left it. And, and for what? To go live in a big, you know, big city uh, that hates them, that hates the values that their parents have. You know, our parents weren't evil. They did the best they could. And I think we need to bring back some some true Southern values to true Southerners now. The public school system has done a number on we Southern heirs. You know, we don't understand the birthright we've been given. 
as sons of Dixie, as daughters of Dixie. And I think now's the time we reclaim it. I mean, because, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I, I grew up South Alabama and I, I don't even recognize this area anymore. It's, it's grown. It, it's, you know, it's in ruins. It's in shambles. Like we used to not have slums around here and, and now we do. We, we used to not have, we used to not have, it, it's turning into a flipping asphalt jungle, not a concrete jungle because we're not a city, but there, there is roads everywhere. They just cutting straight through beautiful country land and making a mess of the scenery. And I, I'm, I'm sick of it. So I, I think we, one thing that I really want to get out of this podcast is, is real tangible change that we as Southerners can implement and, and, and change our, change our local communities. I don't have to change all the South overnight, but if I can change, you know, the hearts of men to, to want to reclaim their birthright, if you will, I think, you know, I think we can take Dixie back. And, and why worry about Dixie? I believe, and I, and I truly, and you can push back on this if you want, truly believe that Dixie is the last vestiges of Christendom of whatever iteration you want to get. Because the South was founded by Reformed Protestants. You know, we had the Anglicans in, uh, or, yeah, the Anglicans in Virginia, uh, Presbyterians, um, reformed Baptist and Dixie was successful for as long as she was because she was Christendom. Might have been a little rough around the edges, but if we can reclaim Dixie, we can reclaim another another reign of Christendom on this earth and we can, you know, try and keep trying until we get it right, yeah. So the only pushback that I would have is the difference between old Dixie and the North and even the West. Um, was an understanding of the return to the land and it was the last vestiges of a form of Christianity that had not given in to the Enlightenment. So this is something you and I have talked about extensively, um, but to kind of lay my cards out on the table here, I think the Enlightenment has brought a huge detriment to the West. And I believe that it's the source of a lot of the problems that we've had. We can, you know, we, we'll probably get into these in the future episodes, but the real crux is returning to Christ in a very real sense. And a lot of Dixie was about maintaining that, that closeness to Christ um, in in some respects. We don't want the wild and... Um, the wild and angry Dixie that, that some parts were. There's a, an element of refinement that we should have. And that refinement comes in our understanding of who we are and what we are. Whereas much of the modern world is trying to disconnect who you are and what you are. Um, that needs to be reintegrated and understood as a whole. So going back to that holistic element the the word is polis but it's it's really just a it's really a nod to the holistic approach that i want to take and bring to the subjects that we'll discuss 
essentially, I mean, what what I think we want to do is we want to pass on what we know, the things that we've learned to other people and, and, and help people to wake up, I guess, would be the, would that be the proper term, wake up, um, or, or um, give them, give them options on how to live free, um, because there's no point in, in, in worrying about Dixie if, 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 you know, if her people are still in bondage, like, you know, slave, slave, enslaved people don't make a nation. Uh, but if we can free, you know, individual men across all of the Southeast, that can influence real change. Well, and a lot of this is mindset. A lot of this is, uh, there's, there's two primary mindsets in which I have seen. There's the, the jaded Southern who refuses to learn from some of the past and see some of the faults that the South did have. And there's the reconstructed Southern, as we would say, who sees none of the virtues of the Old South. And really, this would be a, a response to both of those. No culture is without its fault or its demons or without its evils. And I don't think anybody with a, an honest view of history would, would say otherwise. But we want to bring in the legitimate Christian principles that were there and understand how to implement them in the modern world. Yeah, we don't want to go back to 1860, but, but, but there, are, there are virtues there. I mean, if we look at men like Stonewall, Lee, um, Bedford Forrest, there, there, there's virtues and there's, there's – his, you know, there's there's real stories there. I mean, Nathan Bedford Forrest is literally a mythological hero, except he literally did all of those things. You know, people claimed he did. Um, so these are things that I don't think we should forget, just because there may be some kind of you know modern day taint on them. I don't care what the modern world says. I reject most of modernity, but. Again, I don't want to go back to 1860, but at the same time, we shouldn't forget all the good that was in that society. Um, I think there's good in you know a lot of Christian societies. For you know, some errors might not be as uh, you know as, as glorious as other Spanish Inquisition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's always the papist man. Always the papist. Uh, <laughs> But but at the same time, these are our people. This is our story. I, I view the the Southern people as literally not not in the exact same way. So stop me if I if I cross the line into heresy. But as I read through the Old Testament, I read the stories of the proto church. Well, when I look at church history. I see the the church, you know, thriving throughout the ages. Well, I see the same thing in the South because the South, as I said earlier, was a part of Christendom. Christ was king over the South, and I think more people realize that than they, you know than than people think. Um, yeah. So, what I think some good distinctions here. You know, we're not we're not saying that there weren't Christians in the North and. 
we wouldn't claim that the the South is the only the only Christian era in the in, in the in a, in America's history. What we would say though is we believe that the South had a better a better view on life than the North did. And a lot of the globalism and a lot of the enlightenment trains of thought which have led to our current uh, a lot of the current evils, I would argue, uh were not present in the South and that was intentional. We tend to we tend to forget that a lot of times, I think. And so from my end there's a an element of resistance against a lot of this enlightenment thought that is already found in old dixie aside from the fact that you know this is this is my these are my people well i mean yeah i mean i, I agree with you when you say that uh, there was other elements of christendom in in america besides old dixie but... Old Dixie's lasted longer because there's still vestiges of her today. Um, we see the, the the skulls and bones and the remains up north of of these grand churches that were up there, but they're 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 going empty. Let's face it. Um, but in the South, I mean, everyone still pretty much goes to church on Sunday. Granted, it's getting less and less, but. Um, Sunday, I mean, it's still some kind, some cultural Christianity, for good or ill. I mean, I'm I'm no fan of cultural Christianity, but we have to admit the South did have a um, a longer running vestige of Christendom, and um, so 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 what are we going to do practically? Like, what do you can we give some examples of uh, of what we might uh, might expect from future podcasts? Um, how can we live free? So on my end, um, I've done a lot of digging and a lot of living uh, when it comes to child rearing. And I think there are uh, a lot. I think there are, are fonts of wisdom in the old South on how to rear children and how to approach uh, life as a father and life as a mother. I think some of that gets lost today because of our sensibilities in how we treat children. The modern world is not fond of children. Everything ranging from abortion to daycares to single mothers. These modern inventions are antithetical to the conditions that are uh, meant to be when raising children. And even, uh, especially in the South, the things that I've seen, there's a lot of abandonment of children by the fathers. Even if there isn't divorce, there's an abandonment of the father towards the children in that the other elements of life in which a father is supposed to raise his child, it's not just the provision of money and a paycheck and a roof over your head with some dinners now and then it's a training of the mind and body and soul as well as the provision of a father and this is something that's not unique to the south 
but it is something that the South practiced in a lot of ways. And this had to do with the agrarian setting of the South, which some of which can be incorporated into our modern setting. But it also had to do with the way that the South handled family matters and the kinds of responsibility that the South uh, believed in as opposed to the North. There was a less atomistic view of the individual and a less atomistic view of society. And this played out in child-rearing, it played out in education, etc. So it sounds like you're not a fan of the uh, Industrial Revolution. I'm not opposed to industry, I'm opposed to naturalistic materialism. I'm opposed to the materialism of our day, both in terms of the obsession over uh, items and the the hatred of the spiritual things. On my end, it'll be more of the child-rearing, more of the uh, home environment building and the way that we should look at life, philosophy, ethics, morals, etc. And I think for my end, I, I think that I could offer some practical skills in, say, animal husbandry or even gardening so that you could become independent or more de- more independent on your um, food supply. Because if we're focusing local, nothing's more local than your back door. Um, I'm not going to claim to be that I'm the best gardener, but I, I know a little bit. Um, I have ideas for people like I kind of take away people's excuses because if they keep saying, oh, yeah, I would uh, I'd have a garden. But, uh, yeah, I just I don't have room for it. Well, you know, here, you know, this is you know, this is how you can do it. Let's, you know, do some container gardens. Just grow one thing. Um, And if you don't want to grow a garden, that's fine. Gardens are, you know, I think we were talking about this earlier. Gardens are very symbolic. Um, because it's not about a garden, like it, it's about let's take a step in the right direction to actually work towards freedom. Um, because I think that the average southern man has the capability to at least, you know, to a greater percentage succeed from the system, even if his state does not. Because if enough Southern men would, would succeed and have their family succeed with them and take away from the Leviathan that is that is across the Potomac, then we can we can weather whatever. This is how we win the third reconstruction, which I believe we're going about to go through the third reconstruction. Um so right now we're playing a game of survival for our people to win. And Getting your food local is is gonna be a um, a game changer. So we're just trying to uh, to a kindle a fire in our southern brethren to pick up the mantle that has been left for you by by probably your grandpa, because well, let's face it, most of our dads were constructed. They they were reconstructed, and um, 
become free. Free your mind first, and, and then let's free the rest. Because if you can free your mind, um, you're going to start thinking of ways to actually, you know, be a doer and not just a complainer. Because there's too many people that I see that just, you know, sit there and, and, and complain about D.C., and I don't, and I don't want that. Like, let, let's actually let's let's go fight and win, because we're playing a long game, and uh, in the end, Christ wins. But he uses the means of his people to actually accomplish these ends, and uh, so yeah, we're we're besieging a city. So let's just uh let, let, let's be good stewards. The other element of this, uh, we're, we're coming at this from slightly different perspectives. On my end, it's more of the uh, <clears throat> philosophy and worldview of what we're dealing with. And on you, there's a lot of practical things um, that you're involved with that you kind of bring to the table. From a, the greater perspective, and getting back to the name of the podcast, would be we want to learn how to integrate these to make a more holistic we want to make a, a more holistic source for Southern men. Networking is going to be enormous for anything along these lines. And the idea is to get out and get connected with the people in your community. Learn to trade with one another. Learn to help one another. Learn to be there as a community. It's something that's been lost to a lot of people. And it came with uh, the rise of subdivisions and the bringing in of Yankees and Californians into our states. No cursing, sir. We don't say the Y word. <laughs> well, have you noticed how the um, the, the men's fraternities have fallen? Uh, yes. We would have the, uh, the Elks Lodges, um, VFWs, the Masons. They would, they would always be gathering, but now it's just uh, they're all dying. Well, it's I've I've seen a trend before, and I'm I've been uh, fairly well versed in uh, internet culture, and I see the pervasiveness of internet culture into the South, and part of what that brings is a corruption of the men's space. While I have no ill will towards sports or gaming, the men's spaces have been entirely enveloped in uh, fantasy, either be these uh, leagues that we play for uh, video games or we play for <clears throat> our sports games. It's all about the games and the distraction, and it's a way for us to get our heads out of real life and into some fantasy world. Whereas the old, the old stories and the old fictions were there to help us understand and navigate reality. The man space was corrupted in a sense and taken out of a way for men to edify one another. And, you know, sometimes this took the form of game. And sometimes this took the form of just relaxing on the back porch with a, with a beer in one hand and a, a burger in the other and just talking through some things and really digging into some of the problems that we're having. But it's that, that evening of sitting together and, and discussing things and helping one another. It's the real space that men are supposed to have, and we've lost that to a large extent. 
Yeah, it seems the internet is definitely not a uh, a good way for men to seek the help of other men. Uh, and it's not, I mean, it's still a good medium to keep up with people, but there's something to be said about actually being in real life with, with people. So I think every man needs his, needs a game, basically. They need a tribe. Um, and I think, I mean, I would like to, I would like to hope that we could, uh, we could foster something where, where we help men, you know, get their tribe locally. Not over the interwebs, but literally, you know, right down the street, you know, a, a, you know, a group of guys that that can um, stand beside one another and, you know, literally fight if you have to. Um, because, well, I mean, Christ compares, you know, the the, uh, the the spreading of the kingdom like a you know a siege. The gates of hell will not prevail. So we're besieging the city, so we need guys surrounding us because men in groups are dangerous. And um, the enemy knows that, and it's time that we know that. Well, and, and as men, I mean, there's things that men face that aren't talked about. And if they are talked about, it's usually lampooned in some way. Um, the biggest example that I can think of is the rise of pornography. Uh, the the pervasiveness of pornography in men's circles and the the degradation of the mind that comes with that where we're just constantly focused on these base bodily functions instead of thinking about the greater elements of life and learning how to navigate reality along with alongside one another correct and and also getting a group of guys helps you excel and uh in other ways, they they you want to be better because you know you have this. It's kind of a sense of competition, but not really, because we all want to succeed and we hope everyone in our group succeeds. But it kind of fit, you know. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I mean, we we all want to to elevate ourselves and each other. Um, the the. The, the Christian way of, of elevating the whole was to reach back and grab the, the man most struggling and pull him along with you, to pull people further upward. And that's a great gauge on, on how to uh, find, you know, find men that, that, that want to, um, you know, the, to stand beside, because there's plenty of people that'll sit there, you know, and, 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 and complain about the government, but or or any ill wills or woes that happen to be in the South, but it's another to find someone that's actually gonna take the steps necessary. Those are the ones you wanna hang out with, even if it's, you know, quote unquote baby steps. If they're still going in the right direction, those are the people you wanna hang out with. So to kind of recap, you've got uh, a Mississippi boy and a Alabama boy and we want to help fellow Southerners to uh, come back to the cross, to come back to the Southern ideals of localism, um, of virtue, of dignity, and to be concerned with elevating their communities instead of focusing on what's happening in D.C. Yeah, because ain't nobody else going to come save us, so we need to save ourselves. Um <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's true. I mean, because too many people right now are are waiting on uh 
waiting on some kind of cataclysmic savior right now, but they're not doing anything. They're just, you know, they're not doers. Well, I, I laughed because it's true, not because it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's really sad, actually. I mean, these people, they think life's a movie that some protagonist that's not them is going to come save them. Nobody is coming to save you. I think we, we can... We, I think we can categorize Trump in the uh, in the long list of great disappointments of of saviors. Yeah. Um, you know there was there was some really good things about Trump, and I I enjoyed Trump for a a, a good portion, especially for the uh, realization that he brought to the average man about how corrupt the the federals are, but. In, in reality, he was something of a, a a swamp inhabitant himself. We just viewed him as our swamp inhabitant. At least some of us did. And so moving forward, we have to realize that the swamp needs to be removed entirely from our purview. We need to focus on... Uh, you know, dare I steal a word from the enemy, but sustainable communities that don't need the larger, uh, the larger culture and the larger ec economy. This uh, is well, this is something that Andrew Torbo would call the silent secession, as it were. That that yeah, that's exactly what what I was uh, what what I'm talking about. We need to pull away like. Let, first off, point of order, point of order. Um, let's please stop calling D.C. a swamp because swamps are beautiful e ecological habitats. D.C. is a cesspool. That is a fair point. I, okay. I recant my – I only used it because that was his right. thing. Yes. Uh, I do come from the Mississippi swamps. I, I absolutely encourage uh, the, the preservation of swamps. I, I love uh, swamp water watermelons, and every every single person out there can at me on that. Uh, because I don't think I've ever tried a swamp water watermelon, but that sounds good, though. You are missing out on the beauty of life, sir. And the yeah. ne the next time I return home, I will have to uh, I will have to stop by on my way leaving Mississippi and bringing you a swamp water watermelon. I look forward to that. So yes, I mean Trump wasn't wasn't going to be a savior. I will, you know, I'll call him like I see him. What he did was good. I'll call it good. If it was crap, it was crap. After reflecting back over his presidency, I would have to give him a C minus for uh for being a um a president. He did some good things. He really did. He didn't start any wars, so that's what boosted him up. But are we really better off today than we were five years ago, the day before Trump took office? Are we really better? Well, I think that all the. Oh. I mean, we, the, you know, all we did was postpone what, what was going to happen for five years and possibly have a festering gangrenous wound up under it so that when Trump left, you know, the band aid came off and now it's, you know, worse than it is now or worse than it could have been so 
but but that's neither here nor there. The fa- the point that I was trying to make was is no one is coming to save you. So we need to save ourselves, and we need to survive and outlast wine America. Um, it's wine and America mixed together. Um, I love that analogy. It's very accurate. So I I agree, but uh, there there's a there's several different forms of secession that need to happen simultaneously. We have the secession of the local community, where localism takes preference to the global and even even national quote unquote uh, economy. But there's also the secession of the mind, where we remove ourselves from the trappings of modernity. In, in a sense, we can't return to what was, but what we can get away from is the post-enlightenment thought that we've been entrapped in. We need to deconstruct our reconstruction. <laughs> we need to be re- reformed in a better image. We need a reformation. Southern Reformation. I like it. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website, at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. I know dark clouds will gather around me. I know my way is rough and steep, but beauteous Just a ghost.